You're Going to Die, the podcast is brought to you by YG2D, a 501c3 nonprofit bringing diverse communities creatively into the conversation of death and dying, inspiring life by unabashedly sourcing our shared mortality. To find out more, visit www.yg2d.com. This is it, baby. The moment you've all been waiting for. Who's going to be the first return guest on You're Going to Die, the podcast? Well, wait no longer. This episode has two. And they're my favorites. Yes, it's true. Welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast. This is a special episode. It's it's actually probably less an episode you've been waiting for and one I've actually been anticipating eagerly, which is when do I get to have a guest back on the show? I listen to a lot of podcasts and it always feels like special to have people return to the show. And this is our episode for that. And it's extra special because we're doing two. It's a twofer. We're not just having one return special guest. We're having two, and they're a couple of my favorite human beings. So plenty of reason to have B.J. Miller and Lady Bird Morgan back on the show. If you listen to their episodes, their individual episodes, you, you already know why. If you haven't, you should after this episode. But The ways that it matters so much to me is because I consider them my community, not just in the work we do, but boy, I'd like to count them as part of a part of just people that I care about a great deal. So feeling that and absolutely no question their influence on me, both of them has been so significant in terms of the work that I do with You're Going to Die. So those those are a couple of really important reasons why I'd ever want to have them back. Of course, of course, of course. And we're actually having them on the show for one specific reason in particular. Some of you may know that B.J. Miller in part started Metal Health. And I'll put that link in the show notes, metalhealth.com. You can go and check that out. We'll talk about the organization here in the episode. And Lady Bird Morgan actually partnered up with B.J. and the team at Metal Health. So they both work with this organization. And... Metal Health is having its first annual convening, August 17th, 2023. And I am so honored to promote, support, connect people to this event. And one of the ways I thought made the most sense to do that is by having them back on the show. And oh my goodness, they said yes, and somehow made time in their busy lives to chat with me. Now, I want to be clear, this episode is not a conference, I'm doing air quotes, a conference-focused conversation. It's not that. In fact, it's a version of a kind of conversation I want to have on this podcast whenever I have guests, anytime I have guests. I want to meet them where they're at. I want to have a conversation that matters to us right now and, and gives us what we need together and work our way to all the other stuff that matters. And, and so simply, I guess that's the nutshell version of describing this. And so then, even if you can't go to this event, 
This conversation is so incredibly sweet because it, it it's a talk about why these conversations matter. It's a talk about why we do what we do. It's a talk about uh, the kinds of conversations that are possible when we talk about end of life, grief, palliative care, taking care of community, holding one another, meeting one another. That's like mainly generally really what this conversation is. And I think it's a wonderful access point to this event happening on August 17th, 2023. So if you're already ready go buy tickets to that and you can listen to this episode while you do that. Okay. All right. Dr. B.J. Miller is a longtime hospice and palliative medicine physician and educator. He currently sees patients and families via telehealth through Metal Health, a company he co-founded with the aim to provide personalized, holistic consultations for any patient or caregiver who needs help navigating the practical, emotional, and existential issues that come with serious illness and disability. BJ has worked in all settings of care, hospital, clinic, residential facility, and home. Led by his own experience as a patient, BJ advocates for the roles of our senses, community, and presence in designing a better ending. His interests are in working across disciplines to affect broad-based culture change, cultivating a civic model for aging and dying, and furthering the message that suffering, illness, and dying are fundamental and intrinsic aspects of life. His career has been dedicated to moving healthcare towards a human-centered approach on a policy as well as a personal level. Ladybird Morgan is a registered nurse, clinical social worker, registered craniosacral therapist practitioner, and co-founder of the Humane Prison Hospice Project. She has 20-plus years' experience in hospice and palliative care, addressing trauma, mental health challenges, and repercussions of sexual violence. Ladybird guides medical practitioners, families, caregivers, and institutions around the world on how to be present to difficult experiences by remembering, embodying, and responding from the deepest place of truth. Ladybird also co-facilitates Commonweal's Cancer Care Help Program, Healing Circles, UCSF's Mary Center's Last Acts of Kindness, and is a study therapist with a University of Washington study of psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy. Ooh, I hope I've given you enough reason to listen and so then enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with BJ Miller and Lady Bird Morgan talking about Metal Health's annual convening happening August 17th, 2023. You know, I'm right now, today for me, I'm thinking a lot about scaffolding and supports and kind of what you said about putting supports in place that when I think about the work I do in palliative medicine in contrast to just hospice, but like palliative care as, you know, these beautiful hammocks kind of all over the house and outside in the yard and some different places where you maybe didn't know there was a hammock and you can just go and, and rest and be held. Um, more and more, I'm thinking of it in that way instead of, um, you know, these tasks or these mandates or these prescriptions or specific skill sets that equal um, support to move away from um, how we care for each other and how we show up for each other as um, yeah, as these roles or um, steps and just resting with 
each other? How can we rest more with the process of living and dying? Um, that's what I'm really curious about. And certainly the, the event that we're going to be talking about is bringing together so many different voices about just that, actually, not so much like what are the specifics of dying or not dying, <laughs> but how do we how do we show up together? And so much of my life experience has been focused on independence and autonomy. Um, and I feel like this conversation of, of support is really being re, re um, examined for me um, as personally and also culturally, what does that mean? Um, so that's what's, that's, what's alive for me in this moment. Mm, thanks Ladybird. Yeah. How about you, BJ? Well, How are you coming in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, man, that it's great to be with you. Uh, I just love how open and, and warm and soft you are. It just allows for so much space um, around otherwise difficult things. I mean, mm -hmm. so thank you for setting the table and mm -hmm. thanks for sharing and going personally. You know, um, I'm heartened to hear your story about meeting with your stepmom and you know within the context of difficulty and sadness and so not to pollyanna anything here but if, if i'm hearing you right now it sounds like there's a there's a difference you're seeing with the death of your mom and versus how things are proceeding with your stepmom mm -hmm. And I'm not here to say that one is a right or a wrong path, yeah. but it, it sounds to me, if I heard you right, it sounds like you're just experiencing a qualitative difference when, when we're able to mm. talk and be with each other. I'm, I'm in no way convinced that talking is, is, is by itself the thing that we should all be doing, but having the space to talk, um, not being shut down from talking um, being offered the opportunity to talk seems to be the key or so, seems to be so important. And that, that gets at what we're trying to do with this event is just like you, Ned, create a, a space where these mm -hmm. things can fit, where no mm -hmm. one and no part of anyone needs to be left out to go in to the room. And that's a big, beautiful order. And how do you do justice to the universal nature of what we're talking about being we all come up against things we can't control. We all die, et cetera. Like how do we do justice to that big universal truth, timeless, and the particulars of it? Your situation, Ed, your stepmom's situation, mine, Ladybirds, any of us is so individual. So yes, universal, and yes, totally particular. And so how do we do justice to all of that? The good news is we have our inspiration with Mother Nature. She holds all of it. So we're of nature. So ipso facto, maybe we can too. And so, you know, this podcast, conversations like ours, the event, all in service of can we be together? How can we be together honestly so that none of us is left out and no part of us is left out? That seems to be mm. the task at hand. So <laughs> and then an answer to your question. Yeah, well, yeah. And an answer to your question about so where I am, Thanks for that question, too. You know, Lady Bird and I have spent a lot of time thinking through structural things and, uh, well, you know, all sorts of details to get into. But for, for me, where I am is 
yes, like, just like we were saying, how do we hold and create these, these spaces and work across vernaculars and work across disciplines? It sounds more complicated than it probably needs to be. So my mind is there. And my mind is also, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in a little swirl of grief myself these days. Mm. So I'm kind of living out our point in a lot of ways and watching myself live the point that we're talking about so often, namely just grief. You know, my, I Mm. had a dog I was very, very close with lady bird knew her very well too. And she died about Mm. six weeks ago. And so I'm just watching myself move. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. So, you know, I, I, there's so much to say about that fact, but I, in answer your question, let me just say, I am here as someone who's grieving and mm-hmm. I'm happy to be able to do so in the space that we are creating, living the frigging point. So <laughs> that's where I am. Oh my goodness. Tell me your dog's name, BJ. Maisie. Hmm. Maisie. Such yeah. a beautiful dog. She was quite a beast. Mm. Yeah. Well, for both of you, I mean, obviously BJ for you especially, but I know Lady Bird spent a lot of time with Maisie. I knew that before. Yeah. <laughs> and so really feeling yeah. that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for bringing Maisie in here. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's such a it's such a meaningful way, really, like you two are, have taught me this, you know, and I mean that truly. Um, the work I do is so informed by both of your work and being in the world. And so it matters a lot to feel ease with a couple of human beings who understand that the way in here to especially the point of our conversation, it's not like, well, we're here to promote everybody. I'm going to keep mentioning August 17th coming up here, go to this link. Um, it's like, we'll create the meaning. So people go and seek out the link and get the information they need to be a part of this, this meaningful gathering. But just wanting to say and acknowledge what it feels like already. I think we all just did a version of this, but how easy it is with both of you to kind of come in this way and know, like, this is exactly the way in. Like, how else can we be better in the point of this gathering happening on on August 17th? I will say the date again. Um, then, <laughs> then by just straight up being like, well, here's our very human, personal, uniquely, you know, personal human ways we're coming into this conversation. Um, so thank you both for making that such an easy entry um, here. I love the hammock analogy ladybird and i just posted a, a re-release of a conversation i had with lua arthur who i know you both i think pretty sure both of you know i know bj you do um part of that conversation she talks about and and i've heard you both talk about this which is that creating the holding we're not here to fix anything how vast can we make the container I, I love the qualitative, you know, over the quantitative in a way. And maybe that's not the two words to use, but at least for sure, BJ, what resonated with me and your acknowledgement about my stepmom versus my mom is not a wrong. It wasn't bad, but I'll tell you, it was hard, you know, in, in a way that this feels different. It's still hard, but the qualitative feels like an important thing to acknowledge 
Like, in fact, what I went through with my mom is uh, like I told you, Lady Bird, when we first dropped into this room, it's a part of why I'm here. Like, I wouldn't be in this conversation with all of you if the things, things didn't go the way they had with my mom. And we live in a world that says, what are you doing? You're doing a conference. And what are the numbers? And what does it look like? And what are you going to make happen there? And what are we going to measure it? How are we going to measure that it worked? And so I kind of want to stay with that hammock you know, analogy a little bit in a way, because it connects the like, what is the holding we're creating? It's not about like what we're going to do to you or how we're going to make it work or make it effective necessarily. I'm wondering what is coming up out of that that connects to this event, you know, how you're inviting people in and what you're creating there that is a version of like a holding over a, this is what's going to happen to you or what we definitely will have success around all my air quotes endlessly. Let's see if we can be as accurate as possible. I mean, language annoys the hell out of me because it's so powerful. So let's use it carefully. So I think what we're talking about here, like you're saying, this holding, this hammock, like we're the event, August 17th. The event is really literally a stage. I mean, we have this beautiful old theater in Nevada City and we are setting a stage. And I think of that a lot of that is so much of our job, but our role together, period, no matter what your job is, but that we are not to get uh, too kind of goofy in the wording, but we're conditioning experiences. So we haven't created this experience yet for August 17th. We've got to run a show. We've got some stuff we'd like to do, but we're going to some ways we're going to condition that experience. But then the joy is like improv. It will, we will make it together who, based on who shows up, what's going on for them in the room. And so mm-hmm. just to kind of start to get a little accurate, yeah, that's what we're doing here. We're conditioning for an experience. We're not mandating it. We have to, we can't, we can't, we don't have that much power. But we can set the, st- set the stage, set a table, and we can all gather around and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So that's just one thing. That, that's a distinction that, that's meaningful to me, anyway, to start us off here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lady Bird? Well, I'm thinking about holding and to BJ's point about you know, words and um, the meaning of words and how we relate to them. That, you know, everyone's relating to the same words so differently. And what I'm, what I'm noticing right now in the world is a lot of fear and uh, not a lot of trust um, between people, between systems, um, trust in your body, trust in what is being offered or not offered, trust in making the choice about what's to be offered. And so um, it's going to be interesting at, on the 17th because we're, we're offering perspectives we're offering um contemplations we're offering things to experience and taste like you know kind of dipping your toe in and seeing how it lands and resonates and the question about holding to me and this again is like it's so personal when i think about any of the work i do it's because i'm ultimately doing the work myself (laughs) these are like the, the primary questions that i'm grappling with for myself in my own life is my capacity to hold and be held, um, the latter being harder than the, the, the first one. And I would say that's pretty common for a lot of healthcare workers. They, they want to reach out and hold everybody, but then other uh, turning around and being held. And so to me, there's, a, there's an element with um, 
palliative care coming into the world with a stronger voice because we're asking to be held differently, um, collectively. And that's a great thing. That's an, that's a tremendous thing. I mean, if I think about something that's shifting evolution, like an evolutionary shift, it's our relationship to being held. And, um, so I'll be curious what we're able to, to offer in that sense and receive, you know, it's a big receiving on our end too. We're, we're showing up just as curious and open and hopeful as anyone that's going to be in the audience in terms of how, what chemistry arises, uh, what doesn't arise. Um, so it's, it's more of a, it's like, it's such a shared experience um, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, when someone comes to you to ask you what this is, do you, would you say anything more than what you both just said? And I have two distinct people that might come to you. You have someone who's works in healthcare or, you know, is a professional in the conversation. And then maybe you have a community member who has, you know, just interest in, in, in a compulsion towards the conversation of death and dying, be it because they're human and it's inevitable, or they're actually in like the process of it with themselves or someone else. I'm wondering if there's uh, ways you might describe it and have been to, to people that have asked, well, what is this? Like, you know, I guess a version of like, why would I, why would I go? Yeah, that's a good question. And so, I mean, uh, ditto everything Lady Bird's saying, and uh, this, that, that theme of sort of receiving as an act of giving, I mean, again, anyway, we talked about some detail, but I just love what Lady Bird's point there and feels right onto me broadly and for this event. So there's, yes, but beyond that, sort of maybe a little bit more tactical or pointed, I mean, this is a gathering. This is we're crossing out of the digital plane, the two, getting out of the 2D screen and into 3D into the magic of being with each other in real time in person as fleshy, goofy, living critters. So that's right now. I mean, that by itself is, is a big thing. Um, so we're doing that (laughs) and we're doing that with an uncommon and sort of invitation list would be oftentimes these convenings or conferences are pegged towards a, towards a doctor or a nurse or a patient or some, some, some role definition or it's divided up among disease processes here's a conference for people with neurological right. blah, blah blah or you know here we're just trying to in a good in a good tradition of paddle care we're trying to get together as human beings and that every angle is welcome here every past is welcome so but having said that it would be it would be a relatively atypical or uncommon invitation list both in the audience being members of the field, inside, outside of healthcare, patients, families, anybody. And then also in the speakers, you know, the headline is an architect. You know, I've not yeah. been to a powder care conference headlined by an architect. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about sexuality, a big subject that is uncommonly addressed. Where mm. We have a patient and her and his wife, a caregiver on stage, talking about the effect on their relationship. And uh, that sort of relational dynamic is very important to us. We can talk more about that, some of the education work we're trying to do. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's another answer to the question of why would I go to this? And then lastly, it's on a Thursday. You can set you up for a nice long weekend in the friggin' <laughs> glorious foothills of the Sierras. So yeah. you also just go have fun and get weird and be who knows what you're going to do for that weekend. Yes. Um, but it's an excuse to get together in a funky mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's good. Lady Bird, would you have more to more to add to that? <laughs> I don't know. That was a great. Um, I, I think, yeah, all of that. I mean, just because you're curious about living, you know, I mean, I think that mm. just that, the, the difference between because you're going to master something or, you know, don't come to extract, just come to because you're alive and it's Thursday and this thing is happening and why not? Right. Yeah. Um, if you're going to choose something, choose that or choose something else, go eat ice cream. Like that's okay too. <laughs> right. But don't, um, I, I wouldn't compare one to the other. Like, Oh, you got to do this mm. because you are working because you're a death doula. Now you must go to all these different conferences. Like absolutely mm. not. Um, yeah. I, my, my hope would be that just come because you're curious. Yeah. And there will probably, you could probably have ice cream yes. while you're at it. <laughs> Okay. That's all. Exactly. That's wonderful. Uh, I feel like also, and this might've been covered in what you said, BJ, conference is not the word. That's not a word you chose to use. Yeah. It could be used loosely because people, maybe it's a good, easy access point for some people, but I'm wondering in the beginning, yeah. That came up on the table. Y'all said conference. Ah, no, and you and like I said, you may have already said. Well, no, mm -hmm. it's this. It's gathering because of this. Is there more to add about that? You're right, I, and I don't know. Sure, even I, I think I put the word out convening, and I'm not sure I even love it. Any, every word sounds. I mean, it's like a hoedown. It's a get together. It's a you know. It's something. I'm I'm looking for a less formal word. That just opens up like you're going to come here and have an experience. To Lady Bird's point, you I'm may, just imagining you know, it's, not it's not a rodeo. It's not a rodeo. There aren't going to be horses. Down is close. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But right, but it's a get together. Like you mm -hmm. know, show up in a bathing suit. Doesn't matter. Like there's no you don't your credentials. We don't give a she-haw. So mm. just it's just whatever the word that. So I, I like I like get together, frankly. But yeah, yeah, we were trying to find language that didn't sound off-putting or formal. I love that um, I, because I think often, and personally in, in my work, there's this version of like, let's start by not taking ourselves too seriously. You know, I, I feel like it's just the place, mm -hmm. the easy, immediate softening, easy, immediate, like leave the edges off, you know, like soften all that, come in that way. So I, I'm very much appreciating that. And I noticed I understand it's hard to like make the language of the access point exactly what you maybe want to create, describing the thing in advance before yeah. you actually are creating it with everyone that'll be there. But it matters to go to the website and have it be something different already because you chose certain language right away. Um, yeah, appreciating that. Were you going to add something, Ladybird? Yeah, thanks for noticing. Uh, I, I don't know if it's necessary to add or not. It's just something that I'm thinking about. Like, and this feels important to me. And BJ and I have talked about this a lot. And actually, a lot of folks that work with mental health, you know, share this. Is that it's not exclusive. We're not trying to cover every single possible topic, any single person experience. Let there be a million convenings about all of these conversations. Let twelve other people do the same thing the following day. You know, like it's not about. It's not an exclusive. Um, experience that oh we somehow have it we got it we got it down this is the way it should be that's not what the messaging is about um, you know this is <laughs> palliative care 
care is for everyone. The, you know, this sort of um, relegating it to specific people who have specific knowledge or skills um, I mean, outside of like surgery. I mean, not, not to discount skills, but I just feel like there's something very freeing about this being a convening, like just come, let's talk, let's explore what's, what's happening. Thanks for that, Ladybird. I feel like it's important to take a moment to go a little further back in the story for this, which is at least give us a chance to talk about mental health and your both your work in that context. And then maybe from there get to like, well, when did this, when did the convening start to be a, a possibility or, or make sense as something needed or valuable? But first question is to go back and maybe hear from both of you about mental health and its origin and what it, its place and point in the world. Does that feel okay to make a moment for that? Yeah, feels great. I'll start. Yeah, I'll start because there's a, there's a layered answer to this question. So in some ways, so mental health as such, Sonia Dolan, my uh, the co-founder, she and I, uh, my business partner in all this. She and I have been working together for several years before we started mental health. And so anyway, pandemic hit, we were, she and I were thinking we were going to start a nonprofit library, like a a place for vetted resources uh, because of all the suffering that happens just for a lack of basic information and all the hellscape of Googling your diagnosis and all that stuff. So we, that's what we thought we were doing, having had a couple of years of doing public engagement and stuff. Um, but then the pandemic hit. And then they're like, oh boy, no, no, the world needs the cleanest, clearest way to just get support. Uh, so, um, so Sonia and I started mental health as a, and we pulled it out of the medical model uh, so that we had a lower burden to start. We didn't need an electronic medical record. We also love the idea of, of, of palliative care being a philosophy much larger than a clinical discipline. So setting a table that sure includes doctors, nurses, social workers, chaplains, but also includes architects, sex therapists, artists, just about any human being on uh, any discipline has some relevance as long as it's related to trying to improve the quality of life or help people hurt less. Set a much bigger table. And to free ourselves of the language and structures and culture of medicine that has death as a failure and all that stuff that we I know we've all talked and thought a lot about. So we started mental health, freeing ourselves from that. But that also meant we were a cash business direct to consumer. Insurance doesn't cover our whole social model of care. So that's a real uh, that's a that's a creative issue for us. We can talk more about our plans for that, but. Anyway, sorry, Ned, getting off a little bit here, but that's so. Sony and I started mental health in, 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 in that in this way and at that time, and then the last couple of years have been us trying to kind of refine the model, refine the offering. We haven't taken on you know just been word of mouth and trying to stay just kind of clean up our act while we're small, and then slowly and recently we've brought in more folks to. I think we're about ready to hit the gas pedal on this model of care. Uh, and there's a lot we'd like to do with it. And so enter in that picture, Ladybird, who's a partner in all this. Um, but Ladybird and I have been working together a long, long time. I, mean, I think we go back, Ladybird, to 2009, I think we said. So a lot of the development of mental health has a lot to do with Ladybird and the work she's been doing and the conversations she and I have been having for years that didn't quite yet have a name, mental health yet. But this is also consistent of what we've been kind of playing with for a long time so anyway that's an answer to what mental health is 
Yeah, and so to add to that, in terms of our like the way that our conversation together has helped to shape this is, you know, showing up for people in the world, like BJ said, like the cleanest pathway to receiving those hammocks of you know support, and also some external offerings of not just a library, but some teachings and um, some conversations around. This is how we do it. These are some of the thoughts that we have. What do you think about that? Is this something that would land for you? Would this be supportive for you? So together working on some ways of sharing that, that those thoughts, those ideas, um, those concepts. Um, so the hope is that we can offer that to clinicians, um, but also to just individuals who are you know, living their lives. Um, again, not relegating the knowledge of living and dying to a certain group of people. Um, mm. So yeah, when BJ and Sonia uh, made the invitation to me when they were getting this started, it was you know it was an immediate yes. I remember being in my car. I think I was driving to go do something, and BJ just said like, "Would you be interested in <laughs> yes?" <laughs> I didn't know anything about like yeah. what it meant and what I was getting myself into. Um, totally, I have a, I do totally. have a tendency to say yes a lot, um, <laughs> but mostly because of the the offer of being yourself. Right. I mean, again, mm. back to that place of holding and and finding the ways to just inhabit our. We talked about this net a lot. Like, how do we just inhabit this existence? It is not easy, right? We, we do all these things to try to make it easier. Palliative medicine is one of them, but it still comes back to how am I inhabiting my life? You know. And so it was an offer to show up in spaces where I got to be myself, and um, that was a tremendous offer. Instead of using this moment like I usually do in the middle of an episode to ask you to support what we're up to here over at You're Going to Die, I'm going to do something else with this little bit of time. And I think you'll understand why, considering the nature of this episode. And that is to go to mentalhealth.com. I'll put this link in the show notes and get your tickets now for Metal Health's first annual convening happening August 17th, 2023 at Nevada City Theater in Nevada City, California. Just go to the website, you'll see all the presenters listed, some of which have been on the podcast, including Lady Bird Morgan, of course, and BJ Miller. Hospice Nurse Julie will be there, Wendy McNaughton. Quite a lineup of wonderful human beings having an incredible conversation that matters so much. And one thing I don't think we acknowledge in this conversation is how affordable this incredible offering is. So go to the website. I'll put it in the show notes. Like I said, click on the link. If you're in the area, obviously, and are interested, great. Also share this with people that you know are interested in the conversations like the one we're having here on this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with BJ Miller and Lady Bird Morgan. Again, Go to metalhealth.com, that's M-E-T-T-L-E health.com, click on their annual convening 2023 and get your tickets now and tell everybody you know.
know. I think there's so much to this and this qualitatively and sort of it's one thing to describe it, another thing to experience it. Um, and yes, I just want to hold just to note that we're trying to set up a model that works for everybody involved. It's not a sacrificial pursuit for the provider and not a demeaning pursuit for the care recipient. And we're trying to make the point that giving and receiving care back to Lady Bird's point is are deeply entwined and what is this whole person care thing and how does, how do we mean that? How do you really get to show up? And we really see this work and living with the constraints that we all do and living with this, doing this work, all of it feels like a creative enterprise. It's all creative. Daily life is creative. And so that we're trying to, um, not capture that spirit, but live within that spirit every day. We're, we're, we don't know where we're going with our clients. We like to be the safe place to fall apart. And we mean that. There's this, it's almost like a confession booth sometimes. People come to us and we fall apart. And then we grieve that and look at it and be with that. And then we invariably eventually get to some recreative or procreative place. Um, what do you want to do with those pieces of you? So anyway, th- that creative tone I think is really, really key. But anyway, one more thing to say. Just... Um, just so, so your listeners have a sense of where this organization wants to take this kind of qualitative work. So one is the counseling program where we actually are with people doing this one-on-one or one-with-group work. Um, so that's that counseling, and that's the hub. You know, that's, that's the direct service that gives us any credibility and insights into teaching from there. And so the second piece is, is, is teaching. This Ladybird reference uh, and teaching across disciplines within the health professions, especially these days with burnout being so rampant and recruitment retention efforts within healthcare f- failing um, sadly. So one is a resilience training and education and resourcing for people in the fields, but also linking that same material to patients and caregivers, having a curriculum having materials that suit across these divides. So that education work is going to be a huge piece of our existence as an organization. Um, And that will likely be a nonprofit arm. So we'll probably have two pieces to this company. And then the third thing we'd we'd like to get to uh, for some, Lady Bird and I have been talking about this forever together, and a lot of people have, which is desire to move into actual physical place that creates spaces to provide this kind of an experience. Um, so that's the third arm of us that hopefully we'll get to. Um, yeah. Um, really appreciating all that. I'm wanting to like bookmark that last comment and I'll bring, I'll bring it back to that because I'm connecting that to the architect being present at this convening. I'm connecting this to your background, BJ, that, that we could touch on a bit around your, your schooling and art and how that's informed what it means to like make space, um, in this kind of work, you know? Um, so I want to hold, I want to keep that I'm pretty sure I'm not ready to go there yet. So I'm going to like hold that one in one hand. And then I want to go back a little bit to just acknowledge something that you both have, have touched on. And it is, it is, it might, there not, might not be more to add about this, but it feels important to use this moment as a chance to ask a question I was wanting to ask and also the risk here is like bagging on other conferences that do palliative care or end of life. That's not what I want to do right now. But also 
I want to say the, the way I've heard some of what you shared about, about the wholeness, the whole human is it's wild, right? To me that when, and you could be like, no, you missed the point already. We don't agree, but cool. Good, good, good thinking that, but, but what I'm, <laughs> what I'm feeling is the, you go, here's a death and dying conversation. Here's a palliative care or hospice conference. And your focus on the value of that and your hope that it is something that is a, a, a valuable offering to, to community and to workers, you know, mental health, healthcare workers, whatnot, um, that there's a risk that you get so focused on that that you almost end up getting away from the point of what you're trying to offer. Uh, I feel like I'm doing a version of this with my question. <laughs> I'm like getting away from my point that you guys might be able to help me out here. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if we say we're doing death and dying, that's what this is all about. Somehow we end up leaving a like human being there yeah, in yeah. a way that I feel like you may, go ahead. Okay. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Well, here's where the, <laughs> Oh yeah, my love you. Man, I love you so much. First of all, I'm just so happy to be in this conversation with you. I really oh, have missed you. I really have missed you. Um, miss you too. This is making me really happy. Um, so two things I, that just came to me. One is, yeah, absolutely not critiquing, comparing, contrasting to anything else that's out there. This is, this is this, this is this moment. And, um, what I can just say for myself is that what I feel some of the, the difficulties that I've experienced in previous gatherings or focuses around anything, but specifically around death and dying has been getting people to have a, a, an emotional experience. So focusing on stories that pull people into something that then they just are deeply empathic and they're having an experience. So we start to get like this, a, addiction to having experiences, right? That's one pathway. And then the other one is then to master those sensations. So get a training, make sure everybody, now everybody, instead of becoming a yoga instructor, they're becoming a death doula. And I love death doula work. Please don't take this the wrong way at all. Some people would even say that that's what I do. I don't use that specific term, but again, like running from just connecting. So if I think about what is the actual intention of, of anything that I do, it's to connect, to bring those connections closer together and to continue to grow and evolve. It might be through dying. It might be through living. It might be through architecture or whatever the, the medium is, is not the point. The point is the connection. And what I have noticed in other pathways is that the focus becomes about mastery it becomes about um, grabbing something or just getting lost in a ride of sensation. Um, and so all of those things are, are interesting on their own, but I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that this model is welcoming just getting back to living again and experiencing and sharing and, yeah, getting some, some confidence in certain areas, certainly being able to offer skills and support in other places and all of that is, is relevant and good, but it's not the point. The point of this to me isn't so that everybody dies well. That, is, that has never been my focus, even when I created Humane Prison Hospice or helped to create that human, Humane Prison Hospice project. It wasn't, yes, that was a part of it, but it wasn't the only part. It wasn't the only part. So all right, I went on a little bit there. I probably no, also lost no, the thread. Oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's such a really a good question, too, uh, as difficult as it is to formulate the question. Um, <laughs> this is so tricky. And yeah. it gets at why this field, we, this field, all of us have struggled around how the hell to message this stuff. Um, and it's just so darn tricky, in part because the audience is, is used to and looking for sort of learning objectives. Here, what I'm going to, I'm a walk in naive and I'm going to walk out smarter in this way and these defined ways and everyone asks for learning objectives and that's fine that's important but to Lady Bird's point we're you know those are conventions we're trying to we're trying to see the reality for which the, the, the conventions have been kind of helping us digest piecemeal little bits of, of these skill sets and little pieces of these experiences. Um, that's great. But we're trying to move beyond these sort of conventions to the reality underneath all of it and somehow mm-hmm. to do that justice and the wordlessness of it. Oh, it's really, really tricky. And we are reacting to a medical model that it's, you know, you might say it's singular problem is, is it's reductive tendencies. It takes us, majestic thing of being alive and having mm. a body and you're reducing it down to do you have a pulse and just seeing sort of uh, physiology as some uh, as as the sort of site of everything um and it's just not accurate it's not big enough to contain the subject mm-hmm. so there's a real stress here and we could if we want to try to contain the subject and give every word that might do it and get this breadth thing well then we're so vague and non-specific <laughs> as to be like okay what are you guys again so there's <laughs> right. this real tension to your question and all i can do is just agree with the tension yeah. and see this we're just trying to kind of surf it give enough form enough substance so it's clear what you're getting into but not too much so that it ends up being directive pro- prospectively directive mm-hmm. yeah that's great yeah it just reminds me of the um maybe helping me clarify the question on the other side of you all answering it is the, you know, being in death or being in grief, it's, it's a big space, you know, it's very open. It's just like a question mark. And I so am seduced by that kind of space. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this work if that's not where I wanted to go. You know, it's like, I want to be in, I love what you said, BJ, where you said like, it's a place to fall apart. Like, I know your point is someone calling because they're dying or their partner's dying or, you know, whatever their, their living situation is, their dying situation is, has them needing a place to collapse. Um, and I love the idea of creating a kind of space where you can be like, let's just like break to pieces and then look around at it all with curiosity, you know, and to really look and see this stuff from a, pre- a fresh perspective that's not really as much about answers, but maybe it's about more questions, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. Yeah, that desire to dissolve, you know, it's so, I think it's so relevant to the conversation around psychedelics now too, right? I mean, I think we have this, I don't know that we even have a choice. I think just being alive, being a human, an organism that is alive is continually evolving towards its death, right? And so we're on an evolutionary path from the minute we're created. And yet we're constantly trying to, to stop it, to slow it down, to ease that passage. And, um, but the, the, the desire to change is there. We want to change and we're talking about it all the time. Everything needs to change. We want, we want everything to crumble and crash and we, things need to be different. And yet 
it's really hard to actually allow that to happen, right? We, if you actually dissolve and let yourself reform, um, it's, it doesn't happen very frequently. You know, caterpillars do it, but that's kind of the only creature that I know that really knows how to go into that space and dissolve and become something else, a butterfly, right? We tend to think more about the shedding of, I'll, I'll just take off this layer of skin, but I'll still look exactly the same. I want the same model, but I just want to change the front door. I want to just, you know, paint the walls. Um, I feel like it's a really similar analogy with where we're at right now with healthcare and how we give and receive care, how we hold each other. It's like, are we really ready to do this differently? Or are we just kind of remodeling the house? Mm-hmm. I'm getting super dramatic now and we can just let me have my fun real quick and then we can move <laughs> on to a little more grounded. But I'm just thinking like transformation waits, you know, I just think about the future and, and also especially like dying as an, a rebirth, you know, and have felt that way about, I've felt that way about dying people in my life that that's what is ahead of us. And so this is me being overly poetic and dramatic and trying to be like, this conference is that. But it is, it is a way of saying <laughs> that we can create some of that now in life. We can create some of the, because I'm really feeling what you just described, Lady Bird, which is like, we're not just, it's not just a chance to paint the house or put on a different door. It's like, we can get transformed in this kind of like being together in this kind of activity and engagement and openness and falling to pieces. And that's might just be my moment of revelation and tears that I want to just stop at, but hopefully you guys maybe resonate with some of what you're, you're speaking to. There's like a little connecting point right there. Um, yeah, that's how I'm feeling it. Thank you guys. Well, that's and that's perfect, Ned. That you're feeling it. That's what's mm. that's the that's the locus we're shooting for. Mm -hmm. It's not a thought, includes thought, but the feeling it because this is an experience. This is a felt, lived, felt. That's why I love the body. I mean, that's what. Mm. Yeah, what death? I mean, we don't. I don't know about too much. I mean, but this death. I think we know one thing. We know about it is it's a big change. And I think a lot of the subject matter here is how do we find a way to encapsulate something as big as death while mm -hmm. not being just about death? Mm -hmm. Well, this lived thing that includes that includes death, this change and this desire, this sort of ambivalence we have towards transformation that Lady Bird was saying, and you know, all of that, that's the stuff. And so, by the way, our clients at Metal Health, some of them are dying soon, but plenty of them are not. They're having existential crisis You're right. or yeah. threatened, threatened identity, you know. So there's metaphorical deaths, you might mm -hmm. say, not just the actual death. So, but anyway, that change and how do you move with reality? Uh, this is a lived experience thing that our, and this body, that's the thing that, as far as we know, dies. And that body feels stuff. So while we're alive here, one of the notes that death sends us you know, to get into swallow early in life as possible is that, that there's more to the world than our body certainly but the way mm -hmm. we experience life is through this body and mm -hmm. while you have it feel it and you know i so anyway long window we just way just loving your word choice there mm -hmm. this is felt this is mm -hmm. not an idea or a thought per se yeah 
Thanks, BJ. Um, I think a good next place is kind of both the the little bookmark I had from earlier and what you pointed to, Ladybird. Uh, clearly, you have a wonderful list of of quite a few people I know, some of which have been on the podcast already, but just like amazing human beings at different doing different work. Um, like you said, sexuality, architecture, but also uh, nursing, uh, mental health. But I want to take a moment to say. Maybe we start with you, BJ, as a return to the architect presence in this, the what it means for mental health, maybe to have spaces eventually, if I'm paraphrasing correctly, that that's like the third step. Um, what kind of spaces, knowing you're, you know, I know you've talked plenty in other interviews. We don't necessarily, unless you want to go into your background with art, but there might be some connections to be made there on that. And the reason why this is like the, the, the doorways I'm kind of bringing together here, making some time to talk about that and to acknowledge BJ that you're, you're not, and you too, lady bird, you're not coming into this, this gathering, this convening saying, here's all the things. And I'm an expert on all of them. You're bringing in a lot of people that are experts in a lot of different ways. And, um, right. and so you can't speak to all those parts. You can list like, this is why there's presence, uh, of that particular content at this convening. Um, so I want to give you both moments to say like, well, these are the conversations I'm in particular going to be holding, uh, on August 17th, maybe two. And, and this might be one of those for you, BJ. And I know for you, Lady Bird psychedelics and, and that conversation will be another. So does that feel like, was that clear, first of all, uh, as a place yeah. to go right now? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go with um, you, BJ, just to kind of bring in? that. Yep. Let's do the, like, bring in the architecture. The, uh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Well, so like we've established, care uh, in any direction, uh, living with illness, living towards death, becoming, moving with reality. These are all dynamic, kinetic relational experiential endeavors uh and so i just want to so so once we're in the realm of experience um not so much outcome you know if, even if we know how the story ends how you get to that ending is so much where so much the action is in fact we know as human beings are ending we die you know and so it's about how we get there how do we live unto that into that so okay experiential realm well then geez what goes into an experience like just thinking about your daily life you know like where do you go on for, for vacation or where do you go when you have time i mean i like many people go want to be in beautiful places I, I get inspired by them i feel part of something um sometimes that's out uh, in mother nature sometimes it's a, a concert hall sometimes it's a museum but just watching in my own daily life and, uh, and knowing what art did for me when I was recovering from my injuries, uh, namely taught me how to see and the playfulness with which and the subjective, the subjectivity and the, the leeway we get as human beings, how we see things, you know, maybe we can't change the world in so many ways, but we can change how we see the world. That's where that human talent is profound that perspective making and i learned a lot of the tools of that trade through playing and looking at and being with art uh, as just sort of a is a something that makes that point so 
that's part of my history and part of my own therapy. Um, and so we just want to, we want to realize that fuller potential. We, I just, this basic belief that the aesthetic domain, that is the, the world of perception of feelings of sense of sensation, in the world of intuition, like you said, your word felt having a feeling. How do you feel? Hey, labor, how are you feeling today? We talk of, we use language like this. We don't realize its source and its source is the, this, this percept, this perceived life. And I, you know, that, so this aesthetic thing just seems under realized as a therapeutic endeavor. I think a lot of us, I know a lot of doctors who have the this really profound aesthetic life, in private, they're pianists, or they make art, or they just appreciate it, or whatever else. But they haven't—it's—it's it's weirdly divorced from their professional life, which just seems like such a such a missed opportunity for everybody involved. So, sorry, I'm darting around a little bit here, but that's all background to say, sort of little history and a little kind of reasoning of why we think this aesthetic piece is so much of a missing link of what's missing in healthcare. And even the fun language around what do you have in healthcare? You have anesthesia, <laughs> the opposite of aesthetic is numbness. Do I, what do I want in my life? I want to feel alive. Do I want to be alive? Sure. Again, do I have a pulse? Yeah, I'd like to have a pulse, but what I really, really want is to feel alive. That is an aesthetic endeavor. And so beginning to flesh that out, what could be in this country? Why haven't our great architects been involved in building healthcare facilities? That's kind of silly. Why are healthcare facilities so ugly just when we need that inspiration to feel connected to these bodies that are hurting, to find a way for the body to be some source of something other than pain? Why do we assault the senses when we're sick? It's just so nuts. It's one of the sort of singular ways to 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 uh, uh, portal it, the in, in, insane side of healthcare. So anyway, I don't know, I'll shut up now. But that's sort of background. So background, background for me personally and professionally, and part of what I'm hoping to realize through mental health. And so yes, I'll be on 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 the 17th. I'll be in conversation with Michael Murphy. Um, brilliant and beautiful sold architect who's built uh, healthcare facilities outside of this country who's been involved in monumental art uh the martin luther king memorial in boston uh the lynching memorial in alabama um so he's done amazing work and he's kind of lived the point that we're trying to make here so i'll be in conversation with michael to kick us off and then later in the day, I'll be in conversation with Karen Skanky, who's a licensed clinical social worker. She and I have worked together at UCSF for years. She's done many, many things, including sex therapy. So then Karen and I will talk about and open up the conversation around sexuality and sensuality, uh, the spectrum between the two. Thank you. There you okay. go. That was all. Yeah, that's Sorry. all. No, no, no apology, please. All mm -hmm. sorry's stuff them in a sack. Um, this is so good. All of this is so good. Um, do you think uh, before? Well, yeah, let's go with you, Lady Bird, because, you know, I'm thinking about like, well, I think you got it, by the way, acknowledgement for you for somehow getting a, the right question out of my uh, endless trying to piece words together to get to something. Um, that's was exactly what I was hoping to hear from you. And Lady Bird, similarly, I'm wondering, yeah, what what do you think your job is at the convening? Maybe that word's not oh, right, job. but like I what like kind that. of conversation you know? Yeah, Handing out balloons. Okay. Um, I'll come up with a couple of jobs. Yeah, no, but now <laughs> I will. Actually, I'm just adding that to my list right now. Um, <laughs> 
Great. Put it down as if you don't I have actually don't do have that job. So handing out balloons, I'll tell Sonia. But um, BJ actually already mentioned it, which is great. The, t- the title of the one I'll be on the stage is Seeing Differently. So in addition to architects, we have an incredible graphic illustrator joining us, Wendy McNaughton, who BJ and I actually met at the same time at the Zen Hospice Project when she was an artist in residence there. And since then, I've had the absolute pleasure of getting to collaborate with her. She came into San Quentin and drew the Brothers Keepers. Um, and yeah, so yeah, oh my gosh, it was I amazing. Didn't know that. It was an incredible experience. I'm talking okay, to Wendy next that Thursday. To talk That's about. So, so cool to hear that. that yeah, uh, thank you. It was remarkable. And um, it was remarkable because this piece around how we see things and how we are seen. So this, again, this mutuality of um, being able to, shift our perspective, you know, when you're seeing, I don't want to give away what we're going to be talking about, but art allows us to see things differently, as BJ has said. And when we're drawing, it really allows us to perceive something differently because we're experiencing it. Um, And on the other end of that, when you're being drawn, when you experience yourself being drawn, you're being received in a way that's also different. So there's there's a lot of ways that art shifts your perspective to open you up in ways that are just quite profound that are very similar to psychedelics. So the more Wendy and I would talk about the experience that we had at San Quentin, more than at San Quentin than at Zen Hospice, because I wasn't in the room when she was drawing the people she was drawing at Zen Hospice Project. But at San Quentin, we were there. She was there drawing us while we were having class. And um, it was one of the most beautiful experiences that I can think of in terms of somebody witnessing and getting held and felt. And um, it, it was just, it's amazing. So it's very similar in my mind to the work with psychedelics. And there's a lot of focus right now with psychedelics being this magic pill or, you know, joint or whatever you're going to, however you're going to ingest this magic potion and everything will be great and dying will be easy. And like, here we go. And it's really not that <laughs> it's really not that. Thank goodness. It's really not that it really actually gives you a, a moment to, inhabit your life as bj was saying so beautifully it's like it's about honoring what we have right um not mastering it not getting away from it but being able to really stretch our perception out a bit to be able to show up for it really to the way that we want to um i think that's really ultimately something that i at least yearn for is to know that i've honored um my life not that I did something good, that I, you know, that somebody liked me or that I did something right, but that I was able to honor this, this opportunity to live on the planet. I mean, for crying out loud, it's totally nuts. Mm. It's nuts. So, so psychedelics, nuts. when I have witnessed people on psychedelics, they are absolutely in this place of gratitude and experiencing and feeling that that felt sense of being in a body in on a planet in the universe. Ooh, it's really amazing. And similarly, Wendy can talk about like when she's drawing that, that focus and appreciation that she experiences is really different than if you're just sitting here talking to somebody or if you're trying to master the shape of a face and get all of that right. Like it's also different, right? So that's what I'll be on stage and it'll be like, you know, really, really quick, but it's just going to be a conversation about seeing things differently.
so much gratitude to Ladybird and BJ for so many reasons, too many to acknowledge here. It's a long list, but one thing I want to say thank you for is that they made time to have a conversation about this event that I'm sure they're very busy preparing for. So thank you, Ladybird. Thank you, BJ, for saying yes to having a conversation, to giving me this sweet way to promote such a meaningful offering. Those of you listening who are interested and can somehow make it to Nevada City, California, on August 17th, that's coming up a week from this episode airing, and share the event with the people you know who might care about a gathering like this. This is Metal Health Presents, their annual convening, August 17th, 2023, with BJ Miller, MD, and Michael Murphy. I'm not going to list all the names. The link is in the show notes or just look up Metal Health online. It's M-E-T-T-L-E, metalhealth.com. And you can go to metalhealth.com forward slash annual dash convening dash 2023. The link is on their website. Check it out. Share with your people. Share this episode with your people. Share this episode with your people. Did it matter to you to listen to this episode? Share it with your people. Does the show matter to you at all? Rate and review it. Let us know why. Does You're Going to Die, the podcast, matter to you? Do you want to support it being in the world? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash YG2D. All the ways to support what we're up to here, please do. But especially right now, finishing this episode, send it out to five of your favorite people that you know care about these kinds of conversations. Go do that now. Okay, Nick Jana. Nick Jaina? Oh, that's right. Nick Jaina is not feeling well. He could not be here with us at the end of the show. That feels weird. So that's an acknowledgement to you, Nick. I love getting to this part of the episodes where I can process and dig in and share. And also, while you've not been feeling well, thank you for putting time into getting this episode out, Nick. Couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, all you listeners out there. We're so grateful for this community. You have no idea. You are known, like, in all the ways we possibly can stay present to the fact that we are supported by a growing community. You are known. You are appreciated. Thank you so much. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.